You're listening to Mortgage Lending Mastery. Get the knowledge you need to advance your mortgage practice quickly and efficiently from Jen Duplessis, America's Mortgage Mastery Mentor with over 37 years of experience and over $1 billion in lifetime fundings. Jen has been mentoring loan officers and realtors for over 15 years and speaking on stages across the globe. So settle in and get ready as Jen and her guests share their experience, passion, and strategies to help you crack the top producer code to reach new heights in your business. And now, here's your host, Jen Duplessis, Mortgage Mastery Mentor and Head Chick in Charge of Kinetic Spark Consulting. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Mortgage Lending Mastery. I'm your host, Jen Duplessis. If this is the first time that you are listening in, welcome to our community. I am so happy to have you, and we hope that you will enjoy this um, great interview that we're about ready to do with someone I've been wanting to interview for a really long time and just never reached out. You know, sometimes it's that execution laziness I talk about all the time. So today on our show, we have Nicole Solari. She is the managing broker of Level Up Realty in Napa, California, which is really exciting as well. I can't wait to talk about that. She is an entrepreneur. She's been in the business since 2013, and she has been wildly, wildly successful as a, I'm going to say new. I know you aren't new anymore, but I'm going to say as a new real estate agent in the marketplace, she has been wildly successful. And we want to find out how in the heck she did it and what we can do to help our real estate agents get more business and be wildly successful as well. So welcome to the show, Nicole. We are so happy to have you. Thank you. Glad to be here. Good. Well, so let's talk about Napa. I want to talk about Napa for a minute. So are you born and raised in California or how did you get there? I'm not. My husband's born and raised in Napa. They call themselves napkins, which I think is really funny. I'm actually from Georgia originally. So born and raised in Georgia, went to the University of Georgia, came out here for my first career, which was not real estate. It was um, in the tech industry and fell in love with the weather and my husband. So I'm, I've got some roots here now. So you have the roots there. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, thanks for sharing. And what a beautiful place to have a great business. You know, it's such a beautiful place. So if you're listening, if you haven't been to Napa, you definitely need to go. It's one of those bucket list items. So I wanted to get that out of the way, find out where you were there. But tell us about how you got into real estate. If you came from tech, who planted that seed with you about being a real estate agent? Well, I can thank my husband for that. Um, okay. We moved up to Napa from the Silicon Valley, for anyone that knows that geography. With no traffic, it's about an hour away, but with traffic, it can be three plus hours. I continued my job in the tech world there, and I was commuting, and commute times gave me about five, six hours on the road a day. Oh my gosh. Um, so I got exhausted. I mean, it's exhausting being in the car that long, and I was grumpy when I got home, and I just like, it just took too much of a toll on the family. And so I told my husband I wanted to do a, a career change because what I did in Silicon Valley is not available in Napa. And I said, I think I want to be a teacher. And point blank, he just said, no. He, he grew up with <laughs> of teachers. His sisters were right. parents were teachers. And he's like, I can't take any more teachers. Um, he's like, well, what about real estate? I think that everything that you've done in your life and the business savvy that you have, why don't you just go into real estate? And I said, okay, why not? And I you know, looked up how to become a real estate agent. At the time I was pregnant. So I quit my job, just walked in and quit. Thought you would take a class while you're with the baby. Yeah. All that. Yeah, I was pregnant. I actually took my real estate license exam on my due date. Oh my so, gosh. 
Here in California, it's all electronic and they have these monitors inside of the glass where you have yeah. to look, make the test. And I had to get special permission to take the test standing up because my belly was so big. I literally couldn't <laughs> see the screen. So I had to have special permission to stand up and that was, a, that was a long standing period while taking that test. So oh, I imagine. had a baby, joined a big brand and just became really successful. And I attribute that to knowing I was going into the business. I had a six month planning period. So I took six months and I treated my planning to get into real estate, just like a job. So I'd wake up every day, I'd have my coffee, I'd get dressed, I'd go into the dining room table and I would plan how I'm going to be successful in real estate. And I did that for six months while studying for my exam. And really I painted the path and laid the pavers down to get to where I wanted to be. And I actually blew my goals out of the water. I, did, I never imagined that I would be where I am today. I just didn't. I mean, my goals were a portion of what I'm actually producing at today. But I think that once the momentum started, I had the plan in place and treated it like a business. And so it just exploded. Yeah. You know, and I think that's really important too, because, you know, there's five stages of growth in any business. You know, there's formulation, concentration, momentum, stability, and then breakthrough, right? And you just mentioned that your goals used to be your ceiling and now they're a floor, right? A couple floors down. And I think that that's really important that you took the proper path to get there. And I see that so many people that are getting into real estate and loan officers as well, and even entrepreneurs really don't take the time to go through those stages that are so important to laying that perfect foundation and groundwork. Would you agree? I totally agree. Yeah. You spent six months putting the path together and things that you've done. And I imagine there's other people that have done that too, but what about your path? What about the way that you laid it out and treated it like a business made a difference for you that you were able to get such great results in such a short time, given that there are statistically, realtors don't do very well. Right. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that you asked that because I've been asked that so many times on so many interviews. And I, you know, I always say, oh, it's hard work, dedication, and determination. I was actually talking to a good friend who you may know, Jeremy Forcier. Yep. And he asked me one of those, that same question for um, another interview. And I told him that and he said, no, that's not it. And he gave me to it. Yeah. So different, right? He's like, no, 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 That's, your answer is totally wrong. Let me give you the real answer. And when he said it, it, it totally resonated with me. Um, he told me the number one thing that he sees in me, because he meets a ton of real estate agents. Right. And he works with you. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So he knows yeah. you. He knows yeah. me very well. We're friends. We golf. We hang out. So he knows me on a personal and professional level. He told me it's my resilience. He said, yeah. you're the resilient person that I know. He's like, you don't let anything get you down. You don't let anything stand in your way, but you're not a bulldozer and you're not a bulldog. You just keep going. It's, you're just, you've got this momentum and this resilience. And I think that that's what's contributed to your success. So thank you for articulating that for me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in resilience, it definitely is that, but it's also the continuity that you have, you know, the consistency that you have, because When you do come across those people who tell you no and those sellers who tell you no and naysayers who say you're crazy to do what you're doing in this business because no one else should be, you know, you shouldn't be successful. All of those people that say that, you know, you just continue to do the things that aren't very sexy. I mean, they're grinding activities to ensure that you get to where you want to go. 
Right. So what did you start out doing? What was the first thing that you did? Did you do the friends and family phone calls? Did you do mailers? What did you start doing? Well, my family's in Georgia and I didn't know anybody up here. Literally, my sphere of influence was back in Silicon Valley. Um, I wasn't going to be selling real estate in Silicon Valley. So the whole working the sphere of friends and family calls was not an option for me. Yeah. Um, good practice, though. I did call, you know, and say, hey, I'm making this career change. I started interviewing top agents and trying to find out, like, what do they do? And every single successful agent told me, oh, past client referrals, current client referrals. And I'm like, well, you don't I have need clients. Right. And, and it was so frustrating because everyone said the exact same thing. Past client referrals, current client referrals. Right. And so I had to kind of think, okay, if I were buying a home, where would I meet my agent if I, you know, weren't going on Zillow and just like, you know, picking them. And so I decided to start doing open houses because that's where you meet a lot of people. Um, you can meet a ton of people in a concentrated amount of time. And so I started doing five, six, seven, sometimes on crazy weeks, eight open houses just took off. I think part of the reason why too, is I didn't just aimlessly do open houses again, back to planning. I was very strategic about my open houses. I knew the neighborhoods that I wanted to farm. I knew the price point that was going to get the most momentum. You know, I wasn't trying to be the super sexy luxury agent right out of the gate and sell the, you know, $2 million homes. I knew, you know, my bread and butter was your ready, fanny, first time home buyers. I focused on that because you can get more experience. Um, You're probably a little bit harder, which is what you need. You know, you learn by experience. And I pre-planned by learning everything I could about the neighborhood, everything I could about the schools, not even knowing how to pronounce some of the cities. Literally, we <laughs> I know. I don't either when I'm there. <laughs> right, but it's California. I grew up in Georgia where we call Buena Vista, Buena Vista with a Southern app. So, you know, I called Soon City, Suisun City, and people, you know, looked at me crazy. So I wasn't even pronouncing the city names right, but I could definitely tell you what all of the schools in the area were, what the Melrose taxes were, what the supplemental taxes were, why they were supplemental taxes, when the bonds expire. Like anything and everything that I could learn, I just soaked up all of that information and really became an expert. And first-time homebuyers love information. So planning, executing, and just being consistent with it. Even when I got really busy, I remember my first year I had seven escrows in at a time. I was still doing my own transaction coordination work. And my husband's like, where are you going? I said, I have an open house. He's like, well, don't you have enough business right now? And I said, yeah, and I want to keep it that way. Yeah. Isn't that true? I mean, that's what happens with a lot of people. They get their, they get their transactions in and they covet them. Mm-hmm. And then they look around and say, I don't have any more transactions. They go back out and do it again. You know, And that, again, is that resilience and that consistency. Yeah, definitely. You don't want to get on that roller coaster because the low sucks. <laughs> Yeah. And I, and I also want to share something or not share, but just point out something else that you said too, is that you knew that you would be better served at your particular, and again, this gets back to formulation, concentration, momentum, is that you're formulating and you were doing the, the necessary research and recon in a very specific niche, as opposed to what everybody does is, if you know anybody who's buying or selling a home, I'd like to be your realtor, ends up being selling to nobody. If you're trying to sell to everybody, you end up selling to no one. So I love that you created that niche for yourself that, you know, you knew at some point, maybe that would be your niche in the future or not, but this was the place you needed to start. So I credit you with that. And I hope that you realize how important that actually was because most people just start out with, give me anybody who's breathing. 
Right. Yeah. Casting it far and wide and it doesn't do a do justice to the realtor and it doesn't do justice to the clients either because you really no. can't be an expert at everything, especially right out of the gate. I love that as well. Okay. So you started doing open houses and I, listen, I know a ton of realtors who do open houses. I know a ton of loan officers who do open houses and they don't get much business from it or they get a lot of looky loos and they spend a lot of time chasing down people who can't qualify, don't want to be talked to, don't have a job, etc. So what makes the way that you do open houses different from anybody else? Well, I think there's a lot of intention with my open houses. You know, I go in there with the intention of meeting new people and helping them. So my intention is not to get business. Like it's great that I get business. My mindset is how can I help you today? What can I do to help you? And Brian Buffini has a saying that I love. It's what you give away in slices, you get back in loaves. Yeah. There's a NAR statistic that says that the average home buyer starts looking for homes six months prior to getting serious and getting pre-approved. So those looky-loos that are coming in in January are the people that I'm going to be helping buy a home in April, May, June, July. And I realize that very rarely, I covet them, but very rarely does someone come in and say, hi, nice to meet you. I don't have a real estate agent and I'm creating <laughs> right. my approval letter with a local reputable lender. Can we go look at some more houses? I mean, it's happened. Don't get me wrong. I'm like, am I punked? But you have to work for it. You have to have intention. You have to have follow-up. You have to give information to get the business. And that, I think, differentiates me from a lot of the competitors. Prior to getting into real estate, when I that six-month study period, I did some, some field study, so to speak, and I went to open houses. And I went to local open houses, and I asked questions. And I was always cognizant of the way that the real estate agent treated me and made me feel. And yeah. believe it or not, like, they don't give off the warm and fuzzies. They don't oh, give no, I Yeah, no, I know. Yeah. You know, and I think it's looking at their business through dollar signs and not through their heart. And I think that's really big. And, and I'm a Feeneyite as well. So I get that. I really learned that many, many years ago from him. And I think the key is nurturing these prospective people rather than neglecting them. You know, if they're not ready to buy now, then it's okay, next, next. And I think that that nurturing really shows that you're willing to put the time and effort in. Yeah, definitely. I've had many, many, many clients come to me and, you know, even a year later after giving them so much information, they're, they're finally ready to buy. Again, I don't even look at it as I'm going to keep giving you this information so that you come back to me when you're ready to buy. It is that mindset of just give, 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 and you know, inevitably it's going to be given back to you. Yeah. Yeah. When you first started, obviously you didn't have the listings to sit at these open houses. So how did that work for you? How did, was it, uh, because I know a lot of listing agents that have been around for a while love other people to sit at their listings. <laughs> like, please go, please. I don't want to go. Yeah. So tell me how that worked out and, and you know, how you approach everyone to be able to fulfill. I mean, who knows if someone wants to do eight a, a month, but to be able to do something every single week to have at least some type of revenue coming in or at least, you know, a stream. Yeah. So again, I was very intentional with where I wanted to do my open houses. So I was consistent with the price point. I tried to be consistent with the neighborhood. Um, I tried to be consistent with, you know, the agents that allowed me to do open houses. I was very grateful. And so I followed up with them and I made sure that they wanted me to do open houses for them over and over again, or be able to be their go-to agent for the brand new listing that's hot, that's going to get a lot of traffic. You know, I call independent brokerages because they're usually more likely to allow other agents to hold their open houses. Oh yeah, that's um, interesting. Yeah. 
Yeah, a lot of the big brands, they have company policies that other brokerages, other agents can't hold their open houses. And at that time I was with a big brand and that big brand happened to have a lot of market share. So that helped me out a lot. Of, you know, I could go to the office agents and say, can I hold your new listing open? And I did, I, I pulled in our MLS, you know, a list of all of the top listing agents. I called them and I didn't right off the bat say, Hey, can I hold your open houses? You know, I gave them huge compliments. I said, Hey, Pam, I admire you. I've been watching you for a year. I just got my license two months ago, but I want to be you when I grow up. By the way, you know, I saw your listing at 123 Main Street. Do you need any help with that, holding it open or even just door knocking, you know, with your flyers? Is there anything I can do to help you? And I think that that approach versus just calling and say, hey, it's Nicole, I saw you have a listing. Can I hold it open for you? You know, it's just a little bit of a different approach. Oh, yeah. Well, and it has a big impact, you know, and sometimes it's these little insignificant things that make, you know, the biggest impact in our businesses. And I love that approach. And I love that you went out to other companies as well, because the other side of that is that you were creating that relationship that would help you, whether you knew it or not at that time, but that would help you in the future in your negotiations, because now you already had a relationship with them. Absolutely. And that's so true, because now we'll we'll call her Pam, right? Now, Pam, I've had several situations in multiple offer scenarios where my buyer was not the best offer, but Pam called and said, Hey, Nicole, you're not the best offer. But one, I'm going to tell my client that you're the best agent. And two, yeah. here's what the best offer is. Do you think that your buyers would be willing to, to meet this? Yeah. That's I love that. The difference between an escrow and, and a disappointment to a buyer. Yeah. No question. No question. Especially now with inventory, right? It's so hard to get a house. So yeah, I understand that. So when you were doing the open houses, were you doing them by yourself? Did you pull in lenders for open house spreadsheets? Did you have the lender in the office? Did you give the lender the list afterwards and say, call these people and help me get better opportunities? So tell us about the the logistics of putting that together. So you show up at the house and this is not the seller is not someone you know, and you get to meet them or, or not. And, you know, so what did you logistically do? in the actual open house, aside from getting it and then being really diligent at the follow-up, the looky-loos, but what happened during the open house? So I'm not going to tell you what I did in the beginning because it was a lot of trial and error. So I'll tell you what works works, because I didn't even know, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And I didn't have a mentor. I didn't have anybody to tell me what not. So I didn't even know lenders would sit with you at open houses. That was like a new concept. Like a year in, I was like, wait, what? You, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> I won't be bored. Really? You'll pre-qualify on the spot? Yeah. Uh, so fast forward, you know, a few months in, a couple of slow open houses, a couple of like sticky situations. I um, then decided, you know, to have a lender partner with me or a vendor partner. You know, you can have a home warranty rep with you. You can have yeah. a, you know the natural hazard disclosure rep with you, right. just anyone else that can add value that, you know, can, can one, obviously for safety reasons and two, manage the crowd. I mean, I, I don't know what it is about open houses, but anybody listening that's done an open house, we have this thing where it's like the first two hours are dead and, and then boom. turning off the lights to leave and you've got six cars pulling up and you're like, really? Right. <laughs> so it's come in waves. So it's always yeah. nice to be have crowd management so that you never miss out on a lead. Um, also, we do giveaways. A lot of people don't want to sign in. And if they do, you know, it's Mickey Mouse. My phone number is one, two, three, four, five, right. So we've got some tricks now to be able to, one, entice people to, to sign in, but also get actual verifiable information. So, for example, we are now paperless. So when people come in, the first thing that they want is, do you have a flyer? 
when really they're never even going to look at the flyer. They right. just, they have to have it's that become flyer. the norm. Yeah. Right. And I say, yes, I do. Could I get your, get you to sign in? And as soon as you sign in, it's actually going to text you our paperless flyer. And then you have it there on your phone so you can reference it later. Hi, everybody. It's Jen Duplessis. Okay, I'm taking a small commercial break from this podcast. I wanted to let you know that we are having a three-day Crack the Top Producer Code workshop in Chicago, July 20th, 21st, and 22nd. So I have information in the show notes from this particular episode so that you could get information about coming to the event. I hope to see you there. At this event, it's going to be absolutely fun. We have had this regularly. We actually have it regularly. Sans COVID, right? So this is our first one that we're going to be able to do live in person in Chicago. Come join us. Spend three days with us learning how to crack the top producer code. Bring your team. Bring a colleague of yours. Share this with somebody. This is a great opportunity for you to spend time working on your business and not in your business. And especially as we come out of COVID and we get into the secondary and third phases of being released from COVID, it's a perfect time for you to think about starting to jumpstart your business and crack that code so that you can move on to further success. So I hope to see you there. Looking forward to it. So what system do you use for collecting their information and being able to send them something immediately via text? So we now use a CRM, which is Commissions, Inc. Mm -hmm. It costs an arm and a leg. It's got hoo-ha, bells and whistles galore. Before that, though, I was using an open house app. I think it's $4.99. It's called Open Houses. Yep. Yep. I do remember that. Yeah. Yeah. I was listening $5.00. It's yours forever, and it does. You know, you preload in on your iPad the information on the house, and then as soon as they sign in, it's, it texts them the paperless flyer. And then I was using a different CRM at that time, so I used an app called If This Then That. So uh-huh. you the If This Then That to where it talked to the Open House app and automatically parsed it into my CRM. So they immediately got an Open House trip from me. So later mm-hmm. that day, they got an Open House email from me. Nice to meet you, yeah. hey Joe. Nice. You know, um, let me know if you have any other questions about one, two, three main street here to help. Yeah. And that's part of that follow-up that most people are just saying, well, I have the list. I'm carrying it around with me. Here I am. I'm carrying it around and I'll just call them when I'm in the car. I'll call them when I have a few minutes in between, you know, and there's really not a strategy behind it. And I think that that's really, really crucial. So, you know, I love that you have a campaign in it. It's one of the things that I coach on so much is having systems because you can't scale without having Mm -hmm. systems in place. You can't do one thing for one person and something else for someone else. So, you know, you're having these open houses, you're getting these new potential buyers, maybe some listings because these sellers are snooping, you know, in the neighborhood. What has been your, because, you know, obviously this listing belongs to another agent. So what are you doing in the neighborhood in the form of, you know, and I don't know if you're familiar with, and I'm sure you are, but just in case, uh, the 10-10-20 rule. So what are you doing with that when you're doing the open house and it's not your listing? So I don't, think that, oh, yeah, I can grab one at the end. I'll show you a sample. But we have custom door knockers. And depending on the intent, right, if it's a heavy investment neighborhood where we right. think it's first-time homebuyers, they'll be more buyer-geared. If it's move up, if it's a move-up neighborhood, we have some more seller-geared door knockers. And we door knock prior to the open house. In fact, I see, I literally, out of my office, see people getting ready to go door knock for an evening oh. open house tonight. <laughs> For this um, weekend, yeah. <laughs> right. We door knock 
usually the 10 houses in front, five to the left, five to the right, and then five behind. Um, And it's just strategically right around that house. If you are really intentional and this is your farm area and you know the inventory there and you know that there's a desirable floor plan, because we have mostly semi-custom homes here, not a lot of customs, so people look for specific floor plans. You can door knock that specific floor plan and say, hey, you have, you have a hot commodity right now. We even take it a step further with, again, preparing and being intentional. I have my iPad with me when we door knock and I use the Fidelity 123 app. For whoever's not familiar with that, you download the Fidelity app, you get a username and password from your Fidelity rep. I think all title companies have it, but I prefer Yeah, they do where you can do it analysis. Yeah, yeah. And then you can... Literally, when you're standing in front of the house, the app lets you take a picture of the house and it pulls up the house information when they bought it. Do they have a note on it? How much is the note? Do they have a second? What their ARV, you know, what their estimated um, ABM is, how much they they think it's worth, their name, whether it's owner-occupied or not. So you can literally knock on the door and say, hey, Suzanne, how are you today? It's a little (laughs) creepy, right? But then you know, like, how do you know me? Oh, I see you have a three bedroom and you did some renovations. <laughs> right, right. And they're like, uh. <laughs> it's much more worn than just knocking on the door saying, hey, have you thought about selling your house? I'm, you know, a real right. estate agent. It's, hey, Suzanne, don't be weirded out by me knowing your name. It's actually just public record and I'm a real estate agent. So I happen to have access to it. So right. And takes their guard down. And then I think that I've had so many people just be impressed with the fact that I can at my fingertips pull up that information and mm-hmm. they say, we weren't even thinking about selling, but man, when we do, you're going to be our agent because I can't believe that, you know, how prepared you are. Um, yeah. And I literally, well, oh. yeah. And that's their forever home, right? It's it, the question is, are you in, in your forever home? And they might not be at that time, but it's a great opportunity for you to be able to now start nurturing them because we know statistically, right. Buyers and sellers say that they will use their same realtor 86% of the time or 86% of the, the clients said that they would use their previous realtor, but they can't remember who they are. If they could remember their name. If they could remember their name, they sure would use them, but they can't. So it's a great opportunity for you to now start managing their real estate, you know, so that when the buying window comes along, you're the person they call. Right. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I absolutely love that. Have you found whether mailers to, you know, in what I know is the 101020, but you're saying the 10555, have mailers worked or knocking always better? or it does it depend on the neighborhood for you? So it depends on the neighborhood. I'm big on statistics too. Like if you know the demographic that you're targeting, mm-hmm. you know the strategy to use, right? Yeah. Like I want to pick up more buyers. I'm going to go to a non-owner occupied, highly dense rental neighborhood to door knock and try to get buyers. Hey, did you know that you, you know, it's easier to qualify for a loan than using? Yeah. If I'm looking for sellers, I'm going to go to a more owner occupied neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I would say just like know where you're going, figure out where you're going. All this information is at your fingertips. You know, we have so many systems through our local MLS and through our local real estate board. You know, lenders can buy programs as well. You know, yeah. What's it called? Oh gosh, I just lost it. The uh, core, CoreLogic information. Yeah, CoreLogic. Yep. CoreLogic. I mean, it's scary accurate. I, you know, I pull reports on myself all the time when I buy a new product just to see exactly how accurate it is. And always so scary how much information is out there. I know. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Well, I love that. Well, thank you so much for sharing. Is there anything else that you learned in the process that you would want to share at this point to say, you know, one thing that I learned or something that you're trying now that's different that you'd like to share? 
you know, I didn't think, I honestly did not think real estate was this hard, but I think that if you're doing it right, it should be hard. It should be a little painful. It should be a little tough because we should always be learning and we should always be trying to get better. And we only learn by making mistakes. And so I was really hard on myself about how personal I took things. You know, I took rejection really hard in the beginning. I took mistakes that I made really hard in the beginning mm -hmm. and sort of teep, you know, understand that they're learning. My friend Kendra Cook, you might know she's kind of in your neck of the woods. She always says, you know, you can't get a black eye from someone rejecting you. You can't get a black eye on the phone. You can't get a black eye at the open house. What people say and the way that they reject you is just all about them and not you. So yeah. I've learned to be a little bit more resilient. Resilient. Yeah. <laughs> I'll give you that word back again. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. that. I think that's really important. So that, thank you for sharing how you got started. So all of this started manifesting and magnifying for you. And I'm sure you got to the point where, hey, I can't do all the open houses anymore. I've got to get a team going, right? And I have to build this team. So what is your role now? And what are you doing as we get into what I'm calling the soaring 20s? What's mm -hmm. happening for you in this new year and this new decade? I like that, the story in 20. <laughs> so five and a half years later, I now own my own brokerage. So I'm the broker of record. We've got some really fantastic top producing agents as part of the brokerage. People who have been in the industry even you know twice as long, three times as long as me. And then I also maintain a team within the brokerage. So I have a team of five buyers agents that specifically work with my sphere of influence, my past clients, my leads. I'm lifting heavy. My role with the organization is to provide leads and feed the buyer's agents through having listings. Um, also, are, are you teaching them the same things you learned? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, they do the same things that I do. They don't have to work as hard for their leads. They still have to work as hard for the business and earning it. But, you know, a lot of these are my past clients that come to me to, you know, I'm selling their home, but they're also looking to purchase. So my buyer's agents help them purchase while I sell their home. Yeah, that's wonderful. So, you know, knowing that you are part of Brian Buffini's organization, to what extent are you doing pop buys and to what extent are you doing client events? I love that you said pop buys because everybody's like, did you say pop buys? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. I have them laying around here because I still do. You know what's funny? I still do it. I'm not even originating and I still do pop buys for my referral partners. I mean, that's what I do. I do too. So we do 50, pop, I personally do 50 pop buys a month. I use, I was trying to come up with, I have Buffini's mailer tags. So I, yeah. you know, it's really figure it out, but I was going to like the dollar store and then Walmart and trying to put all of these like cute things together. Right. And then I found this store called the pop by kit.com. Oh, wow. I know pop by ideas.com, but I didn't know the pop by kit. Yes. It's, it's this woman. She's a stay at home mom that, you know, started her own little business. Awesome. And she sends me, you can order a minimum of 50, which I think that 50 is good. If you can commit to 50 pop buys a month, you're pretty dang good. She sends me 50 kits per month and my assistant puts them together. She comes up with the idea. She sends the, the tag that's branded. She sends the bag. She sends the tissue paper and she sends the present. And then mm -hmm. it takes my assistant about 30 minutes to put them all together. Oh it's my gosh, that's awesome. Well, you know what? I even found too that, you know, even if you had, let's say, for example, you had 50. But this month you can only get to 30 because some realtors don't have 50 clients, right? You know, they can only get to 30 because timing or whatever. Heck, I live in Northern Virginia. We have 24-hour gridlock. It's the worst in the country, you know. 
you can still use the balance of them when you have a client appreciation party or when you stumble across someone, you know, you run into a new client or new someone, you can still use those. Yeah. I always have extra Popeyes in my car for situations, you know, Just where like that. I run into someone or even vendors like, Hey, give your lender some love. They're always showering us. Give yep. your escrow officer some love. Take them a Popeye. I also use them for my business to business relationships. So I get a lot of attorney referrals. We do yeah, programs. that's what I meant. Yeah, my referral partners. Yeah, yeah. Yes, we do. So I drop them Popeyes as well. Yeah. So, I mean, there's always a use for them. My assistant has a checklist of things that should always be in my car. One is toilet paper all the time. Proper <laughs> <laughs> in the field all the time and it happens. You gotta go. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I was just talking to someone yesterday about a realtor survival kit for realtors that have that work with veterans because when the wife comes in she only has 48 hours to find a house and so you got to be out there hour after hour after hour so you need food and you need wipes for the kids and diapers for the kids <laughs> yeah all those crazy things i think i have you i think i don't have it i have seller and buyer survival kits and in our seller and buyer survival kits i take them on every single listing appointment and i take it on the very first showing so um, with buyers, we have the buyer survival kit and then the buyer journal, which is our branded journal that mm-hmm. is their your journey to home ownership. Yeah. where they write notes about every house that they see, their feelings throughout the process. And then it's kind of like a keepsake that they keep at the end. But the survival kits have like band-aids for the bumps and bruises along the way. We put little Skittles <laughs> in the prescription box that says, yeah. you know, emergency prescription for when, you know, you have sugar low. It's really cute. And so we take those on every listing appointment and every buyer consultation. People That's- love it. I love it. I love it. I have, listen, I've done it for years. That's why I've suggested it. (laughs) I have done, well, did realtor open house survival kits for years because I live in an area where it's cold. And a lot of times what happens in in winter, you know, well, not all the time, but in winter, you know, the survival kit has chocolate and things like that in there. And a a little Sudoku or Sudoku, however you pronounce it, a little book there. So you could just go there. If you're sitting around doing nothing for a while, you can at least do that. And I did it for my CPAs as well. It was tax season survival kit. And I did the very same thing. I had rubber bands so that you could be flexible and when dealing with them. And so I've got a whole list of all these cute little phrases. And and like you, I've been in the dollar store and Walmart like crazy finding little things, you know, lifesavers when you need something. And it's just really cool. I love that your idea. And I'm sure that the sellers appreciate it as well, you know, when you come in. And it does differentiate you when you're doing a listing appointment. It really does. I leave a whole bag behind and, you know, it's, it's amazing how I leave and then an hour later they, you know, they obviously got nosy and wonder what was in the bag and it's a little vinyl grocery bag with our logo on it. It's got the survival kit. It's got the packet, the marketing packet that we went over. It's got a thank you note for the time. And they text me like an hour later and they're like, we want to list with you. Can you come back? Yep. Yep. Because it's just being different. There's no question about it. Absolutely. That is so cool. Are you doing client appreciation events? Are you doing client events? Yeah, we do. We were doing six a year. We scale it back to four. We had more participations. We had a lot more clients showing up. So they became like big parties. And I, I remember not last October, but the October before, we had so many people that we like ran out of food, we ran out of drinks, we ran out of activities for the kids. And I was like, okay, time to scale this up and scale it back for, you know, the, the amount. So right. we do for a year. And then we also do... First responder appreciation for holidays. So every Thanksgiving, every Christmas, every 4th of July, and every Easter, I do a home-cooked meal and I drop it off to every fire station, police station, and then every emergency room. Oh, oh, the emergency room. That's cool too. Yeah, we get a lot of uh, nurses and a lot of the uh, EMTs that come in starving 
Oh yeah, because they've been out. Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah. Now do you make it gluten free and peanut free and all that other stuff? Or do you just make a meal and say if you like it, you like it and then South, you're gonna eat what I cook or you're just not gonna eat. You're just not gonna have it, right? (laughs) I love that. I actually love that. Now that's funny because I do a Veterans Day luncheon. And so I have a banker, a local community bank that is closed on Veterans Day, obviously, but they have a separate little area in, in their uh, branch and they let, and this person was in my BNI and they let them open up that separate portion of the branch on that holiday. And we just had an open house of lunch, you know, a big luncheon. It was sort of like a brunch, lunch and early dinner, you know, sort of thing. But we did it on Veterans Day you know, just for all of our veterans. Cause every time I do a loan for a veteran or find out that someone is a veteran, I would just make sure that we coded it in our CRM and make sure that we're really saying hello to them, you know, at those pertinent times of the year. So I love that. That's really cool. So what's on the horizon for you this coming up this year? Now you've got your whole team together. You've got your buying agents, you have your listings, you know, they're taking care of them. You're doing your Popeyes and your client appreciation parties. And you're managing this office with these new real estate agents. What's next for you? Because your company's called Up Level or Level Up, right? Let Level Up Realty. What are you going to do to level up yourself? So the goal this year and kind of the mindset is doing more with less. Mm. So I want to be able to help more people and really streamline the process. I'm like you, huge on systems and you can't scale without systems and you can't scale without consistency, right? So I want to figure out ways to streamline and be able to help more buyers and help more sellers and make it a more comfortable and memorable experience because it is a stressful situation, especially we work in our area a lot with contingent buyers. So they're selling and buying at the same time. You've got movers in the driveway and a loan that hasn't funded on their replacement home. And you're just like, Ugh! so we're putting it together. Losing sleep and yeah, yeah. Everybody losing sleep. So I want to be able to do more for my clients throughout the escrow process and make it more systematic. So we started a new program this year. For example, one of the the things is when they sign their escrow papers at the very end of the escrow is an order form for pizza. So they let us know how many people are in their family and what kind of pizza they want. And we have the pizza delivered at noon on moving day to their new home. So they don't have to worry about lunch that day. And it's just like a little extra touch where we're doing more to take take things off of their plate. Yeah. And I think that's where, I mean, not think this is where everything's going. Customer service is out. No one cares about customer service. It's all about customer experience because the service is expected, right? Right. There's so much competition. You're expected to have great service. The question now is what's the experience like? How did they feel after having worked with you so that they are compelled to tell their friends about you? So it creates a revolving door. All of this ties into being able to nurture them and not just expect that. And I think the other part too is that your system has to be extremely efficient for you so that it can be very effective for them so that they feel like they're the only one. And I like the idea because just fill out this form and we'll order the pizza for you is very efficient for you and your team. I used to have delivered a cake for approvals, loan approvals to the office of the most chatty person in the transaction (laughs) of the spouses. (laughs) Yeah. So whoever's most chatty was going to be the one who got the cake and And it just got to the point where it was just harder and harder to do because it's a full cake and it was sliding around and then I couldn't do it. And then my person couldn't do it for two more days. And, and it was losing the umph and the effectiveness and it was just becoming not efficient either. So then we changed it to be something that we could order and it could be overnighted and, you know, and they could share it with people in their office instead of coveting the cake. 
<laughs> right? And no one would know that this approval happened. Yeah. So I think that's really, really important because it's very, very effective, but very yeah. efficient for you to execute. And scalable. Super, I mean, it's a yeah. phone call, right? Actually, it's not even a phone call. My assistant goes online and orders the pizza online and yeah. for it. Yeah, it's nothing. Yeah, nothing. We had it built into our CRM. We just went in and, and said, this needs to happen. Go ahead and let it happen. And it sent an email to the company and the company just billed me once a month. <laughs> so that was great. Try to, don't try to overcomplicate things. I think I see a lot of people trying to reinvent wheels and over overcomplicating or what if we did this? And I'm like, no, keep it simple. Yeah. It's funny you say that because that's my word this year. Simplicity. Yeah. You know, that every year I come up with a word and this year it's simplicity. You know, um, I'm getting older, I'm, re- I'm retired out of lending and now I just want simplicity, you know, in everything that I'm doing. I just want to say thank you so much, Nicole, for spending time with us today and sharing so much wealth. And I know that people that are willing to give like you are, are the best people in the world because those that don't want to share those things are people I don't want to work with. So I love working with people like you and work and talking to people like you. So thank you so much for all this wonderful stuff. And I feel bad for everybody and I'll probably talk about it in another podcast. (laughs) Take a few of these things and put them into action. Don't try to do everything she's doing. Take a few of these things that work for you and put them into action so that you can start seeing changes in your business if you try to take on everything that Nicole's doing right now, you'll probably say, well, that didn't work for me. And I know it can. We all know. Yeah. Yeah, Build a house without a foundation. Yeah, exactly. So one of the questions I ask as we close up all of these interviews is what is a favorite quote of yours and, or what is a book that you're reading right now that's making an impact in you personally or professionally? I can answer both of those pretty quickly. So I am reading this book right now, which I love books, by the way. So I could just like name a bazillion books that everybody should absolutely read. But it's super funny. And it just like has lightened my day up. I can't wait to get in my car and listen to it because I'm an audible fan. I listen to them while I'm driving. And it's called Maybe You Should Talk to Someone. And it's a long one. It's a 13 hour read. But I say read like I'm actually reading. Yeah, (laughs) I know what you mean. (laughs) It feels better. It feels better to think I'm reading it it's hilarious. It's real. It's raw. It's hilarious. It makes you feel like it makes you feel okay about not being perfect. It makes you realize like everybody has the same issues. Nobody talks about them. Maybe we should talk about them a little bit more. Right. Right. I love that. Maybe you should talk to someone. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. And a quote and a quote. So I, it's my own quote. So it's not like a quote that's some, you know, easy, but I always tell my staff, I tell my kids, I tell my husband, I tell everybody, don't ever do anything that you want want your mama seeing you do and you'll be all right. Yeah. Bingo. Keep it in the light, baby. Yep. <laughs> Keep it in the light. Awesome. Well, we will have that. Now, if someone wants to get a hold of you and wants to bend your ear or listen to you or follow you someplace, what is the best way for them to get in touch with you? So I'm on all social media. It's at Nicole Slory or at Nicole underscore Slory for Instagram and Facebook. Also on Twitter, or you can just drop me a line. I'm Googleable. Just Google my name. There's, I think, three of us. I'm the real estate agent. I'm really easy to get in touch with. Awesome. Well, thank you again for gracing us with your presence and sharing this information. I really, really, truly appreciate it. And I'm very, very grateful. And I wish you the best in 2020 and in your soaring 20s as well, because you've only just begun. Yes. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's been fun to chat with you. Thank you. All right. Well, listen, thank you so much, everybody, for listening in. And as I said before, please just take a few of these items and implement them and then come back here and listen again and grab a few others when you're ready to take the next step. And 
reach out to Nicole if you have questions and do her a favor, follow her, help her get famous on social media. And we will talk to you next time on Mortgage Lending Mastery. Thanks for listening to Mortgage Lending Mastery. Be sure to subscribe to hear more sales tips, ideas, strategies, and tactics to help you with your personal and professional growth to multiply your results in record time. And if you like what we're doing, don't forget to give us a rating and review so we can continue to bring you the best content possible. Wanting more beyond the podcast? Join our Mortgage Lending Mastery membership community where you will find extended interviews with our favorite guests, weekly training, tips, and insider secrets. Fireside chats with Jen, free content, meet, share, and collaborate with other members, and so much more. Click the link in the show notes to learn more about this exclusive content. Mortgage Lending Mastery is an industry syndicate charter podcast. Industry Syndicate is the first podcast network specifically for the mortgage and real estate industries. Get the Industry Syndicate app in the App Store or Google Play today.